Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. about every eye closed if you're here this morning you say Steve you guys are singing about God being near and and that's not my story right now I don't know Jesus Uh, this Jesus you're talking about being up next to me close to me that's not where I'm at I, I feel a long ways from him today's your day this is your moment if you don't know Jesus as your savior if you don't have that one on one relationship with him Or maybe you've had it and you've walked away and you feel distant this morning. We're not going to embarrass you. We just want to pray intelligently for you. If that's you, would you just quickly just slip your hand up and and then you can pull it right back down. Nobody will embarrass you. We just want to pray. Just a moment longer. Yeah, there's one. Anybody else? It feels strong. I I need him this morning. Father, you know our hearts. Search our hearts this morning. Even for those of us that would say we are in close relationship with you, there are moments that we don't sense you like we should. I pray all of us would be drawn to you today. I pray that we would all be drawn into a closer relationship with you today. God, for those that feel a long ways off, I pray that this would be a great day for them. This would be the moment that they surrender everything and they turn their life completely and totally over to you and they pull up in tight relationship with you Father we bring our movers if you've got your card come on these are the folks we pray for every week that we want to see saved these folks are far from Jesus their heart is burdened for them week after week Father these are folks that are not close to you change them draw them to you Now, Father, we understand that that is a dangerous prayer because we also understand that you desire to use us to do that. So, Father, we just pray you draw them. Use us to draw them. Cause our lives to so shine that they can't help but see you. Give us the right words. Give us the right timing. And this is most important. Give us the right spirit that we would be able to speak the right thing at the right time in the right way, that they would be drawn to you. We claim them as our harvest. We claim them as our inheritance. And we ask you in Jesus' name, save them, rescue them before it's too late. And Father, we'll praise you for it. We'll give you the glory for it. We will honor you forever and forever because... This is about you and what you can accomplish. And everybody said, amen. Come on, turn to your neighbor right now and say, he's here and he's near. And then you can be seated. He's right here with us. And we're glad that you're here. Amen. Amen. I'm glad that we can come to church and feel the presence of God. Y'all are better than the first service. I said that and one person said amen. 
I'm glad we can come to church and feel the presence of God and sense that He's here and know that He's in our midst. Amen. And so we're delighted that you're here. If you're visiting with us for the first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, Pastor Danny will be up here in just a few moments, uh, and we'll have some instructions for you because we have a special gift for you as a way of saying thank you for being here. Y'all better pray it's just a few moments. I found out after the first service I preached a stinking long time, and so y'all might be in trouble. So uh, if y'all amen me, I know you get it, and we'll move on. But uh, we, we uh, ended a series last week called The Big Bounce. Uh, how many of you have been experiencing some bounces in life? Yeah, how many of you know your bounce was prepared? You may, it may have shocked you, but it didn't shock God. He knew it was coming. He prepared that bounce so that you will depend on God. Okay, two of you got that. Some of you still depending on you. How many of you know you won't ever come through? Not on your own. How many of you are tired of depending on you? Yeah. How many of you are tired of depending on our, our, our government? Yeah. How many of you are tired of depending on gas prices? Oh, I figured out I can't depend on none of that. But I can always depend on Him. Uh, everything changes but God. And that makes me excited this morning that I can depend on Him. And so I just encourage you to trust Him. Amen. Well, we're going to start a new series this week, five parts long. Uh, important stuff. The, the, the next Today and the next four weeks following this will be extremely important for us as a body. Last year, I think it was in January... Uh, if it, I think uh, my, my years are starting to run together. We did a series, Pastor Woody and I did a series together called House. Was it last year? Two years ago. Wow. Okay, two years ago. Uh, we did a series called House where for our Northwest campus, we begin to outline, lay out what we really believe in and what we're trying to accomplish and build for the kingdom of God. And then when I came over here in June, uh, I kind of did four of those messages, four out of the eight, and kind of shared with you where we were headed. But this is the first time since we put us all together that we've been able to do it like this in this setting. And so over the next five weeks, I want us to talk about things that are absolutely essential for us to understand together. We've got to all be on the same page. We've all got to be walking and marching together and make sure we're all after the same things. And so the Bible says that there is high value for knowledge. I don't know what it is, but uh, in a lot of Pentecostal settings, or at least a lot of people that are outside of Pentecostal settings, when they look in on Pentecostals, they think that we check our brain at the door. Uh, I don't want you to be dumb. We're not called to be dumb. We're called to be anointed. I want you to have understanding. And the Bible speaks very clearly that we should go after knowledge, that we should go after understanding. In fact, in the Old Testament, the Bible says that Solomon was blessed not because he asked for riches, not because he asked for fame, not for, for a new car. The Bible says that Solomon was blessed by God because he asked for wisdom, knowledge, understanding. And so we've got to be on that same pursuit. In fact, Solomon comes along, and this is for free. It won't be on the screen. You can look this up when you get home. Proverbs chapter 2, Solomon comes along, and he, and he makes these statements. He said, good friend, take to heart what I'm telling you. Collect my counsels and guard them with your life. Tune your ears to the world of wisdom. Get your antennas up. Tune your ears to where you can find wisdom. Then he says this, set your heart on a life of understanding. That, that's what our heart should be after is understanding. Then he says that this, he says, that's right. If you make insight your priority and won't take no for an answer, I love this, searching for it like a prospector panning for gold. 
I love that phrase. Like an adventurer on a treasure hunt, believe me, before you know it, fear of God will be yours. You will have come upon the knowledge of God. How many of you are watching Gold Rush? Anybody other than me watching Gold Rush? All right, three of four of us watching Gold Rush. Y'all need to watch. It's almost over now. But you got to watch Gold Rush. It's these guys that move to Alaska. They risk everything to find gold. How many of you know they're going to find gold? There's no show without the gold. So it, it just quit freaking out. They're going to find the gold. But they're there. They're panning. We're waiting with bated breath. Are they going to find any gold? And Solomon says, that's what it ought to be like for us. We ought to be so after understanding. Oh, so after the knowledge of God and to understand God that, that our we, man, it's like a treasure when we find it. We've got to pursue it. So I want us to talk about some things that as a body we must pursue. We must understand. And let me say this to you. Uh, over the course of the next five weeks, we're going to get real simple. You say, well, Steve, you're already simple. I understand that. But, but we're going to get really simple. And, and, and we're going to get very concise. Uh, I'm not talking about time. I'm talking about, okay, because I blew that in the first service. But I, I'm talking about we're going we're gonna to boil it down to what really matters. I'm going to try to be very straightforward. <laughs> I have a problem with being straightforward. Have you all figured that out? I'm just going to try to say it like it ought to be. All right. And we're going to get very blunt about what we should be about, what we should understand. So if you have your Bibles, if you don't, it'll be on the screen for you. I wish I had time to read the entire chapter. I don't. That's your assignment. You can go home and read Luke chapter 15. But I want to read to you out of Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 4 through 10, some parables that Jesus told. That's what it says. It says, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. Now, the only problem with that is none of you got any sheep. So uh, you don't even understand what he's talking about, so let me just break it down. to uh, Suppose you had a hundred Corvettes and lost one. Anybody want to claim that right now in Jesus' name? Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't want to pay the insurance on it either. But if you own ten Corvettes, you can probably afford the insurance. There you go. Uh, wouldn't you leave the 99 in the garage or, in this case, in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? And when, you found, when found, you can be sure that you would pull it, put it across your shoulders. You'd drag race through your neighborhood rejoicing. And when you got home, you would call in all your friends and neighbors saying, Celebrate with me. I found my one lost sheep. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in no need of rescue. Love that. Verse 8. Or imagine a woman who has ten coins. And loses one. Now we understand this. Yeah. Won't she light a lamp and scour the house looking in every nook and cranny until she finds it? And when she finds it, you can be sure she'll call all of her friends and neighbors. Celebrate with me. I've found my lost coin. Count on it. That's the kind of party God's angels throw every time one lost soul turns to God. Understanding. Jesus like all good preachers before him and like all good preachers since the days that he walked here, Jesus used stories uh, to, to communicate kingdom truths. In fact, we still do it today. Preachers still do it today. They, 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 they try to use personal examples. They, they make up stuff. Um, they, you know, some of you will get that later. Um, they'll tell Paul Harvey stories. or They'll go look in illustration books to find stories. Some are true, some are. But they use stories to try to communicate biblical truth so that we will remember what we heard. Jesus did the same. Jesus was constantly, in his case, most of the time, making up stories, parables, if you will, that were to use to communicate simple 
but profound truth. That's what he would do. The, 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 the difference is this. Some of you will get this too, some of you won't. That's all right. The difference is, is that like all good preachers, Jesus used stories and he used his words to communicate truth, but Jesus would always go one step further and actually take action and with his life reiterate the truth he had already said. So y'all won't get that. Some of y'all. In other words, he would do what he told them to do. That's foreign to most of us. Because preachers are, I'm, I'm just telling y'all, don't look at me like that. I'm just telling you the truth. Most preachers are really good about telling you what to do. They just don't do it. Okay. <clears throat> all right. That's all right. You don't have to believe it. It's true. But Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus spoke truth, and then he actually lived out what he spoke. Now, don't misunderstand me. Jesus' words were blunt and plain. In fact, Jesus communicated, it, it blows my mind, the Bible says that the religious leaders of the day, the people, even his own disciples, he would share a parable and then they would get by, by in a back room somewhere and go, huh, what, I don't get it. Hello, McFly, this, I mean, this is easy. I mean, we read it now, and I'm going, how could you not understand? You got 99, you got 100 Corvettes and you lose one, go after it, right? This is not rocket science. His words were extremely clear. He, he could have said things like, and all good causes, but he could have said, your mandate in life is to save the whales. He could have said, save your planet. He could have said, your mandate, your purpose is to educate everybody. But Jesus was so specific. He didn't leave any room for negotiations. He didn't leave any room for misunderstanding. He's very clear in his words when in Matthew, see some of y'all religious folks are going to know this one. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. How much more clear can you get than this? He says, go therefore, come on, come on, come on, quote that one right. Some of the King James is just like erupting in you right now. Go therefore, uh, go therefore into all the world to make disciples of all men, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching men to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples of all men. You know that one. That is abundantly clear. Our mandate is clear. So with his words... Stay with me now. I'm going somewhere with this. With his words, I'm going to dress it up for us to, to where we are today. I'm going to make it very simple for you to remember. You don't have to learn it in the King James to understand what we're supposed to be out about. He makes it abundantly clear what our mandate, what our purpose, what our mission should be. And here's what he says. I'm going to say it the way I would say it. Found people find people. Now, here's the difference between Jesus and most of us. Jesus clearly communicated that found people find people, but Jesus went one step further and actually lived out what he said. It's going to get tight in here, y'all. Just wait because, see, like we, we all know we, we know this, and we'll, well, amen it. Oh, yeah. But Jesus didn't just talk about it. He actually reiterated that truth by actually doing what he said. So that what happens is in John... Chapter 1, listen to what happens. Jesus has just said, go into all the world. He's shown these, he's shared these parables. Now, he actually lives it out. Jesus was always on a mission to find people. Let me prove it to you. John chapter 1, verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip. 
pastor, y'all don't, y'all don't get it. He walks into a town. Uh, see, no, you're Woody. No, you're Brad. Uh, nope, Abby. Mm-mm. Nope, Ryan. Philip. I'm looking for Philip. He goes out of his way and he finds Philip. Y'all didn't get that. He goes out of his way and he pushes through everybody else. He's on a mission to find one guy. And he finds Philip. Now notice what happens. And he said to him, follow me. And Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Now here here it is. And Philip found Nathaniel. See, I know some of y'all think you found Jesus. But the reality is Jesus wasn't lost. You were lost and Jesus went out of his way to find you. And now that you're found, it is your responsibility to go and find. And so Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Jesus. I don't know if Philip was out of his mind too. I found him. I found Jesus. No, you didn't. He found the ones, we found the one that Moses wrote about in the law and about from whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus, son of Nazareth, son of Joseph. We found him. Jesus found Philip, and then Philip found somebody else. He preaches with his actions. He does it again in John chapter 4, verse 4. The passage makes a very literal statement. It's about geography. He, he, he says, in that passage, you go read it for yourself. He says, I need to go through Samaria. It's a geographical statement to get to where he's headed he has to travel through Samaria but we read it wrong because it would be like me saying to get to Anadarko I need to go through Chickasha it's a geographical statement to get to more I need to go through Krispy Kreme it's a geographical there's nothing between here and more but Krispy Kreme so I got to go through that it's a geographical statement but when we read it like that we miss it because he wasn't talking about geography He said, I need to go through Samaria. Why did he need? Because there was a woman at a well. I I need to disrupt my travel plans. I need to take a detour. I'm Jesus. I could have like created something and walked on it to get to where I needed to go. I don't need to go through Samaria. I mean, I can just transport to Samaria. I can bring a chariot that flies through the air and get to where I need to go. But I need to go to Samaria. Why? Because the woman of the well, woman at the well, she's there. She's waiting. And she needs to be found but I want you to notice what happens this is it right here you got to get this John chapter 4 verse 28 and 30 and verse 39 the woman then left her water pot went her way into the city and said to the men come and see a man who told me all the things that I ever did could this be the Christ here it is then they went out of the city and came to him and here it is catch it and many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him why because a woman that had been found went to find Okay, y'all good with all that, right? Jesus is about finding people, but let me get really down in your junk. Because here's a painful question that I've been battling all week. How many of you are found? Come on, raise your hand. Come on. You don't want to raise your hand. You know I'm going to hit you right between the eyes, right? Okay, put it back down. If you're found, then the painful question is this. Who have you found lately? But Steve, you don't understand. I led a guy to the Lord when I was 12. Then how found are you? 
Philip and the woman at the well were so caught up in the, the good news and what had happened to them that they couldn't even contain it. They were like, i got to go find somebody right now. There's an old song. I, I think it's back. It's got to be in the 80s because I'm old. But uh, there was this song. They said, what have you done for me lately? If we're really that found, then who have we found lately? I, I want to submit this to you. I'm going to make up a word. That's not new for me, but I'm going to make one up. Could it be that perhaps we prove our foundness by our willingness to find? I knew I wouldn't get any amens. That's all right. I ain't preaching for your amens. I don't want to impress you this morning. I want to get down in your spirit and let you understand that if it's been a while since you found anybody, then I'm beginning to wonder, are you really found? Because if what you've been found by is so great, then certainly it would cause you to get up and do something about it and share it with somebody that's not found. If we are going to be all that God has called us to be, then I refuse to pat us on the back when we filled every chair, every parking space, and say we've done all we've done. If the Bible was to have said the harvest is scarce, then I would go, oh, good job, Passion Church. You're doing so You filled the place up. We're done. We've got the bills played. The lights are on. We just have church now. But the Bible says that the harvest is plentiful. It's abundant. But there are few laborers. Because we forgot the urgency by which we are to try to find. See, Jesus goes on and makes it very clear to us with words, but with his actions, that our mandate is to plunder hell. We are supposed to be trying to empty out hell. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 13, tells two more parables that I'm just going to mention to you because I think it, it, it applies here. One of them, he tells them back to back. He tells the parable of the pearl, and he tells the parable of the great treasure, which most commentaries start talking about. It's talking about the importance of the kingdom. You you find the great, the the, the valuable pearl in in the property that you don't own. You go sell everything and go buy the land so you get the pearl. It's about the importance of the kingdom, and I understand all that, and they're correct. But I also think that that speaks to the importance of being willing to risk everything for what really matters. And what I would say to you this morning is this, is if, if Jesus was willing to risk everything, he, he risked being in heaven, he risked his, his position, he risked his fellowship with his Father, he risked everything and gave his life for the one that was lost. Then shouldn't we be more consumed and concerned about the lost than we are about our cars and our houses and our comfort zones. We must come to this place where we are willing to do whatever it takes. Can I, are you found? Right, okay. Then can I just clue you in, newsflash. If you're found, then this is no longer about you. What? But I don't like the carpet color. This ain't about you. You're found. Now, I'm not saying we don't come and try to meet your needs. Don't hear me wrong. But I am saying to you that we can no longer be consumed about satisfying saints. You're already found. 
I don't like those songs. I'm going to quit this church and go to that other song, that other church, because they play the song I like every week. That's the only song they know. This ain't about you. We do all of this for the one that's lost. To try to motivate you and compel you to find somebody if you've been found. But I can't even get you to fill out a mover's card. Can I just be really transparent with you? When we when we started this a couple years ago, like all other preachers, I could only put seven names on here. I felt really bad about it. I thought I started to make up some names. Seriously. I didn't want to hold this thing up with seven. Now I'm at nine, and I thought of another one today I can put on here. But most preachers don't know any more than seven unsaved people because they're only around saved people all the time. But I want to tell you something. This is more important than you getting your goosebumps. Yeah, I know there wouldn't get much there. That's okay. That's what it's really about. It's not about, oh, they don't have the programs I like. and No. This is about reaching people that are lost. Jesus risked everything for the one. We've got to do the same. Jesus, in this passage I read to you, uh, tells, I'm almost done, he, I, I think. He, uh, he, t- he tells the parable of the lost coin. He, he tells the parable of the lost sheep, but he also t- tells about the parable of the lost coin. Interesting story. The Bible says that this woman has ten coins, she loses one, and she tears her house completely up to find the one. I mean, she, she sweeps her house out. She relocates everything, trying to find the one. My question to you this morning is this. What needs to be rearranged in your life to go out of your way to find one? I don't know what it, I don't know where he, I, he's got to get it from Julie's side of the family because I don't have this gene in my body. But uh, uh, my youngest has this propensity in his room. Every two to three days, everything gets moved. Everything. I, I can't figure it out. We'll walk in one day. Now, I walked in two days ago. He's got this old. We were trying to sell it in the garage. It's an old TV. I think it's 21, 25 inch. I don't know. It's big. And it was in his bed. Not on his bed. In his bed. I walk in. He's, he's playing the Wii. I walk in. He can't even stretch out and sleep like a normal human being. He has to hang his feet off the side of his bed because there's a TV in his bed. Next week, it'll be in his closet. He, he has this tendency to rearrange Some of you need to rearrange. You're so consumed with your own debt. Attend Financial Peace University. We'll fix that. Uh, Shameless plug. Because some of you are so consumed with how I'm going to pay my light bill that you don't care about the fact that your neighbor's going to hell. Rearrange your life. What needs to be swept out? Uh, You're so caught up in your job that you don't really even stop and think that there are people around you dying and going to hell. It's about being desperate. We've got to come back to this place where we are absolutely, completely desperate to see people saved. Can you really even love Jesus and not care? that people around us are dying 
See, I, I think for most of us, what's happened is we've become very comfortable in our salvation. The problem is, is that we weren't supposed to get comfortable in our salvation. We were supposed to become contagious in our salvation. Who have you infected lately? Did you know that statistically it's been proven that 99 out of 100 Christians never win anybody to Jesus? We have forgotten that found people are mandated to find people. That means when you pull through the bank, find somebody. When you go to the grocery store, find somebody. When you go to school, you're not just going to school. You are an ambassador. You're, you are there for one reason and one reason only, not just to get an education, but to find somebody. But I'm shy. Newsflash, I'll never believe this, so I, I'm just going to say it. I know it's true. Just trust me. You won't know it's true. I am shy. I know. <laughs> I know. I take more after my mom than my dad in social settings. I hate operating in people with people I don't know. I'm shy. I'm introverted. I know y'all don't see all that. But that's no excuse. Yeah, thank you. Let me help you. So, since you're shy, and I don't, I'm, I'm not going to let you off the hook, then what we need to do is we need to make it extremely easy for you. Right? Because you don't want to say nothing. Okay? We've made it so simple, it's ridiculous. No excuse. Here, here you go. Oh, no, that's too easy. Nobody would ever come to church and get to know Jesus because of that. Really? How come you're here, Tari? They saw my truck, which I don't have anymore. Had a big old passion sticker on the back of it. They got on the website. Checked us out. They didn't have to say, I didn't say nothing. I was just saved that day and didn't flip them off when they ran me off the road. <laughs> I ain't never, now let me let me share you something. I, I joke about that all the time. I ain't never flipped anybody off in my life, so just, just chill. How about this? These cool little cards sitting out on the comms center, those are called invitation cards. Like, I didn't, printed 100 of them, and 10 years later, they're still sitting there. We've got good news, y'all. Come on, come, come on. Pick these things up. You don't have to say a word. When you go through the bank and make your $9,000 deposit this week, Amen. slide one. See, see y'all happy about it. Y'all talk about that. Slide one in with the teller. Go, go to a restaurant and actually treat the waitress nice. Leave a nice, like, 30% tip. And leave one of these and see what happens. Easy. You don't have to say a word. In fact, you're, you, you speak more with your face than you ever do with your mouth. How about this one? We have made this so simple, and, and I'm trying to hurry. No, I'm not. I'm lying to you. I, I'm getting this out whether you like it or not. We even went to the, 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 the expense and the trouble of building an entire website for shy folks. Seriously. You don't have to say a word to witness. It's called passionstories.tv. Please put .tv, not .com, not .org, just .tv. Passionstories.tv. All right. 
Because I'm some of your covenant eyes accountability partner. If you put another little ending on that, we're going to have to have a conversation, okay? <laughs> Powerful little tool, and I've only got about seven of you doing it. Seven or eight of you. Simple. Simple. You take one of these sheets off the comm center. They're back there for you. You tell your story in non-religious terms. I was stuck in miry clay. Uh, Jesus saved me to the uttermost. No. Uttermost? What are you, a cow? Utter? No. How about this? I was hooked on crack. And I didn't know where my life, I didn't have any hope. And I met a guy that knew Jesus. He told me about Jesus and he changed my life forever. Just real talk. You fill that out, send it to me. We take your picture, we put it on the website, and then we give you these little cards. You go to restaurants, you go to, uh, I started to say phone booths. I ain't seen a phone booth in like since 1942, and I'm not even that old. Um, you go to Starbucks, drink your coffee, camp out at the table. Six hours later, when you're ready to leave, leave this little card. And on the back, it's got this little blank spot. We just put your name. Right there. They go to www.passionstories.tv backslash Woody Burpo and they read his entire testimony. And then it leads them how to find the Jesus that he's met. Now how easy is that? But I'm shy. Okay, no more excuses. Found people, find people. And then last, found people celebrate what God celebrates. Let me clue you in real quick. I am committed to never having services that feel like self-help seminars. Okay? When we get together, I don't want you to walk out of here and go, well, I could have paid $1.99 and gone to the convention center downtown and they'd had motivational speakers and I'd have been helped just as much. Don't want that to happen. Y'all know that was there recently and I'm not against it. Go hear all the motivational speakers you want. But I am more in, inclined that when we come together as, as the body of Christ, we should have an, a face-to-face -face encounter with God. But even when we have the best services in Oklahoma City, that's not what we should celebrate. We'll display, those of you that were here a couple weeks ago know what I'm talking about. When we finish the building outside and it looks so much better and it's so exciting that things are happening, we should display that, but that's not what we celebrate. We have got to come back to this place where we celebrate what God celebrates and what he celebrates. The Bible says they throw stinking parties in heaven. So we, when people get saved, we should celebrate. The most intense, crazy praise that should ever take place in this place is when somebody gets saved. We ought to go crazy. And when the mover's card is held up every Sunday, that get your mover's card out, okay? And so we start praying, and then we go, uh, oh, Boy, it's almost time for lunch. We're going to Qdoba today, or are we going to McDonald's? Where are we headed? He'll be done in a minute. He's just praying for movers. So. Uh, uh, he's still praying for movers. Hey, you want to go get us something to drink this afternoon? Maybe go to Starbucks, spend a little time. He'll be done in a minute. Then he'll say something that's important. No, the most intense prayers should take place while we're praying for our movers. Did you know? And I'm just going to say this about us. This is me too. I pray harder when it's about me. When I need a breakthrough, I will tear heaven up. But when I'm praying for somebody on a list, nah, forget that. No. What gets God's attention, what they celebrate like it's not, man, they party like it's 1999 in heaven when somebody gets saved. So let me say this to you. Let me say this to you. 
I want you to be party animals. See, in the first service, they amen me down like that, and I was getting really worried. So y'all are a little more reserved. I want you to be party animals. I want you to come together on a weekly basis. I don't want to go weeks on end without having a party. I don't want you to live a partyless life. I want us to be so intent on finding people that our life is one big giant party because we're constantly celebrating the fact that sinners have come home. So let me see y'all amen to me. So let me break it down to you like this. I am so thankful. I, man, we've celebrated. I had people try to shame us not in, in, into not celebrating people getting saved. No joke. You don't need to do that. We don't we shouldn't count numbers like that. Bull. It's getting God's attention. They turn on the disco ball and start breakdancing all over heaven. Right? Forget it. All right. So for the last two years, we've seen over over um, this is 12, 2011 and 2010, we saw 140 people get saved. Right? Here, okay, I'm excited. Man, we've been partying. Thank you, Jesus, right? I'm excited. I want you to be intense about it. I'm excited that 100. Here's my problem. Since January, we've seen two. So there are 98 Corvettes in your parking lot. But there are folks out there that you work with and that you live with and that you have an influence over that are lost. And you come in here and get your praise on, but you ain't found nobody lately. And what I'm releasing you to do and telling you today that is, is this. If we are going to be what God has called this body to be, we cannot become comfortable in our salvation. Can I tell you this morning what happened? We were, I'm, I'm almost done, I promise. Five, we will be five years old, August the 26th. And we're going to celebrate somehow. I don't even know how. Maybe we'll get donkeys out here and ride them around the parking lot and play basketball. I don't know. Where did that come from? <laughs> Have you ever been to donkey basketball? Oh, it's cool. If you know, y'all live, you got to live in Anadarko, I guess. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Where, we're going to celebrate that we're five years old. But let me tell you the problem with that. Did you know that when churches start maturing, they quit winning people to the Lord? The, the most effective method of winning people to the Lord is planting churches because there's this excitement and there's this urgency because there's nobody here. We've got to fill this place up, man. We've got to find somebody. What happens when we start looking like this is we don't win anybody. No way. No. No. We cannot allow that to happen here. I don't care that the lights are on. I'm glad they're on, but I don't care. That's not what, listen, I'm not comfortable in the fact that we've grown. There are people around us dying. And churches aren't being planted fast enough to get to them, so it falls back to us. Hear me this morning. We've got to understand this. There has to be an urgency about us. Otherwise, we become like Noah and his family. We pull up in the ark, close the door, and say, see ya. We're safe. We're good. I refuse to live like that. I refuse to lead a church like that. We've got to win some folks to Jesus. So one of the ways we're going to do this, I'm just going to mention it, and then we're going to pray, and we'll get out of here. I've already closed like nine times, so 
next Sunday we will be introducing you to some new leaders that we're on March the 17th, which is a Saturday, we are launching a brand new service specifically for singles. Those that are out of college and up that have nowhere to go. I, do you realize that probably within a 15-mile radius of us, there's no ministry for singles at all, not, not like this, not a service. We're turning this whole place over on Saturday nights for singles to have a place to come and hang out because they're going to hang out somewhere on a Saturday night. I don't know if I like that. They, they, they might come in here drunk. I hope so. They might, they might mess. I might come in here and there might be trash in my seat on a Sunday morning. Uh, yeah, exactly. Because found people find people. Next week I'll introduce you to the leaders, but I just want you to know that we are about it. We are. If you're going to be a part of this church, you got to find somebody. Do you, do you realize that if we all found just one, next week we would double? Well, that's not even possible. Why? Why? It's possible if found people start finding people and quit just coming to have a Holy Ghost party and realize that we have Holy Ghost parties so that you can go out and invite somebody to the party. Okay, you got it. I hope you got it. Stand with me. Let me ask you again. If you're found, get your hands up right now. That's what I thought. Put them down. Then who have you found? If Jesus was that good, and I like to eat, I find myself a good restaurant. I've bragged about Papa Angelo's to y'all until I'm tired of talking about pig bacon pizza. The truth is, some of you talk more about the good restaurant that you found than the good Savior that found you. If you're found, find somebody. Father, we bring our movers to you this morning. I know I've already prayed over them, but it was kind of weak. Father, I bring these people to you. They're dying. They need you. Father, I pray that a desperation would come over this body. I pray that we would begin to become absolutely crazy about sharing you. Even if we're shy. Even if we're reserved. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that we would begin to see what you see. We would open our eyes to opportunities that you literally bring us every day. And we would be quick to respond. God, we rearrange our lives. We sweep out apathy. I sweep out callousness, lack of concern. I sweep out distractions. I, sw I sweep out selfishness. 
And I ask that, Father, you would send me on a pursuit of those that are lost. And God, I, I, and I pray that we wouldn't come to this place as a church where we brag. That's not what it's about. We would just become party animals. We would, we would party every time the sinner is saved. We would begin to empty out our movers lists and have to find new names. Father, when we understand that, then we've gained wisdom. Help us to understand, I pray. So, Father, this morning I release my people. Shy or not, bold or not, it doesn't matter. Whatever stage you find us in, I release us to become finders. Help us to prove that we're found by our willingness to find. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated for just a moment. Pastor Dan's going to give you some instructions and then you're going to be free to go. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 